The word of our Lord from the Gospel of John. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, lived, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was, at, was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Let's pray. Almighty God, whose beloved Son willingly endured the agony and shame of the cross for our redemption, give us courage to take up our cross and follow Him, who lives and reigns with You and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Cruciform worship. Worship that is shaped by the cross. You know, any time we think of the cross, we've been mentioning we think of death. And any time we think of the cross, we think of a specific type of death. A sacrificial death. And when we think about cruciform worship, we think about worship that is sacrificial. Worship that involves a sense of dying. The context of this story that we refer to as the anointing at Bethany, it's mentioned at the very beginning of this passage and it's mentioned again at the very end of the passage. In fact, it is the the context that takes up the contents of chapter 11, the chapter just prior to this one. And that context is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. In fact, John tells us that that is the purpose of this meal, is to celebrate Lazarus being raised from the dead. This is a meal of celebration, and it's a meal of thanksgiving. It's a party that Jesus' friends are throwing for him because of what he has done in the life of this family. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are seen by the gospel writers as friends of Jesus. And this one friend, the brother, Lazarus, was dead. And Jesus came to Bethany and raised Lazarus from the dead. So they have reason to celebrate. 
Their brother is back alive. They have reason to give thanks. Jesus has has performed a sign, a miracle that has that has revealed himself as he told Mary and Martha as the resurrection and the life. They have reason to celebrate, they have reason to give thanks, and so they throw a party and they celebrate in the context of a meal. Notice what happens in this story, particularly what happens as, as, as the actions of Jesus' friends. We're told that Martha served Jesus. That's plain enough, very simple. She served him. We're told that Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with Jesus. But the majority of what we're told is concerning what Mary does. She anoints him. And the writer goes to great lengths to tell us quite a few telling details about this anointing. It tells us that this oil that she used to anoint him was oil of spikenard. It tells us that it was a very costly oil. And it tells us that it was a pound of that very costly oil. It's later on when Judas raises his objections to it that we learn this, this oil could have easily been sold for 300 denarii. If you've got a modern English translation, it might tell you what sort of time that is. That's a year's worth of wages for a worker in Jesus' day. In our financial terms, it would be about $20,000 worth of oil. I don't know about you, but I have never seen a $20,000 jar of perfume. A pound of fragrant oil. $20,000 worth. You can see why Judas voices the concern of the disciples. Holy moly, that's a lot of money gone. She anoints Jesus' feet with this oil. Washing feet in the ancient world was one of the most servile of acts that a person could do. And she begins anointing Jesus' feet with this oil. Not only that, she then begins wiping His feet with her hair. Loosing a woman's hair in the ancient world was one of the most personal of acts. It's said that of the ancient Jewish women that only one person would see a lady's hair let down and that was her husband. But Mary begins to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. 
And so what happens? Well, what you might have expected happens. The disciples and those in attendance of this party begin to grumble. John tells us that Judas Iscariot specifically calls her out for her behavior. Wait a minute. This is a waste. We could have done so much good with this. We've just blown it. You've blown it. What were you thinking? That's $20,000 down the drain. Gone. For what? John gives us the inside scoop, the, the, the behind the scene details, that Judas wasn't really concerned about what could have been done with the oil other than he could have sold it and pocketed the cash. But Judas's objection is we could have done so much good for the poor. We could have fed no telling how many homeless people. We could have, we could have provided shoes for people in need. We could have provided clothing for those without. So much good could have been done with this. A result of this act of worship, this sacrificial act of worship, that we often overlook, but it's an interesting detail to to take note of, is that the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. You can imagine that a pound of oil... The house is filled with the smell of this oil. And Jesus appreciates what Mary does and vindicates her. Leave her alone. She has kept this for my burial. Then he makes a very awkward and uncomfortable statement. The poor you always have among you. Not so me. When Jesus makes this statement, is he being cruel and calloused? Perhaps he's being cynical or at best insensitive. The poor you have always among you. No, he's not being cruel. He's not being callous. He's not being cynical or insensitive. To think that he's being those things would be to think, would be to assume that worshiping Jesus and caring for the poor are mutually exclusive. Our care for others, particularly those in need, ought to come as an act of worship to Jesus. And they ought to flow out of a life that is captivated by worshiping Jesus.
the fragrance of the spikenard fills the whole house. And all of the disciples and all of those in attendance sit kind of awkwardly wondering what now? I can't imagine what would have happened next in that dinner party. Does the conversation just kind of fizzle out and folks begin participating in some private conversation, you know? Maybe Peter leans over to John like, well, that got kind of weird. Well, guys, it's getting kind of late. Um, I'm going to head... Head on, I gotta, I gotta let the goats out. John doesn't tell us what happens next. I guarantee you one thing that didn't happen is the house didn't go back to smelling like normal immediately. There's no telling how long the smell of that pound of spikenard lingered. I want to make some observations with you. Our worship of Jesus is not a waste. Our time, our energy, our money, all of those things that are given in worship to Jesus are not a waste. If Jesus' reaction to his disciples, particularly Judas Iscariot here, is any indicator of what he might say to us, I think it would be safe to conclude that if we said, Lord, this is just kind of a waste, he might respond, shame on you. No, it is not. Another observation I'd like to make with you this morning is that our worship ought to be personal and costly. We ought to do our best in all things. As Paul said in his epistles in the New Testament, we ought to do everything as unto Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Our, per, our, our worship ought to be personal and it ought to be costly. It ought to matter to us how we worship. It ought to be something that is prime. For our lives. It ought to be something that is immediate to us. It ought to be something that is extravagant. Everything we do ought to be as unto Jesus. And our worship ought to be personal. And it ought to cost us something. I was uh, talking... Uh, with the with the young adults, it's been a few months now, back before Christmas, and uh, 
we I forget I forget what brought it up, but we were talking about celebrating the small victories that we end up with in life. You know, when when things just seem to not be working out, when life's not going well, when it seems like you can't do anything right, sometimes you just got to stop and celebrate the small things. You may not know it, but you being here this morning is a small victory. We lost an hour of sleep last night. And for some of us, that is not only very costly to us, but that's also pretty personal. We take offense when we've got to give up an hour, uh, when, when we've got to spring forward for daylight saving. But you're here. I'm here. Annabelle's here. I told her this morning, when uh, when I saw her in my living room this morning about a quarter till nine, I said, Annabelle, I am very proud of you. Time changed and she lost an hour of sleep and she got up early and was ready for church. Our worship ought to be personal and it ought to be costly. Because whatever we give to Jesus is not a waste. If we give Him our best. But the temptation that we have as frugal American people, frugal Western people, and just frugal people, it's got nothing to do with our culture. It's got something to do with just human culture. The temptation is to Give Jesus what we can muster up at the end of the day. Rather than giving Him our best and giving Him our first. We give Him what little time we have left over at the end of the week. Even the way we think about our calendar sometimes betrays what we're doing. Most of us think of this day as the last of the week. It's the weekend. We got we finally got through another brutal week and I guess we'll get out of bed and go to church. But this is in fact the first day of the week. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of what God is to do in this coming week. Our worship ought to be personal and costly. And our worship ought to flow from thankfulness. We have reason to be grateful. We are His people and we enjoy His blessings. Not only that, we have His presence among us. Our worship ought to be littered with thanksgiving. If it means we've got to make a list of all the ways that God has been good to us and all the ways He's been faithful to us, all the ways He's shown mercy to us, then so be it. 
but our worship ought to come out of hearts filled with gratitude. Because He's done great things for us. When we look at the actions of Jesus' friends, Martha and Lazarus and Mary, I think we are given some hints of some actions that we could take in our own lives. And as we encourage one another to worship Jesus sacrificially, to to have cruciform worship, to have our worship shaped by the cross, I want to encourage you to consider three actions. The first, serve Jesus by serving the church. That's a small c at the beginning of the word church there because I'm not talking about serving the church globally. If you can find a creative way to do that, that is wonderful. But what I mean here is about serving the church locally. Serving this church, your church. Serve Jesus by serving this body. There are things that you can do that you might not be aware of. Every Sunday morning, the kids in the midst of their running and playing and wanting to have fun, they're also very eager to help. What can I do? Ooh, can I put bulletins together? How about this card? Does this card go with that? There are a variety of ways. I guarantee you, David and Jim would be glad if you'd be willing to carry carpets so that they don't have to one week. Carry speakers, tables. All of this equipment, it will be gone in 45 minutes. And someone will have moved it. And all this equipment, not a single piece of this equipment was here an hour and a half ago. The coffee, the tea. Playing with the babies in the nursery. There are a variety of ways you can serve Jesus by serving the church. Another way that we often forget that is a very practical way of serving this body is about telling others about it. Telling your friends. And you've got a, a prime opportunity. Not just for next week, but the next several weeks you're going to have time and time again an opportunity to tell people about something that doesn't happen every week at Faith Methodist Church. We're going to have some folks with incredible Irish accents with us next weekend. And we're going to have a potluck meal at Bill and Jan Saturday evening. I don't think Bill would complain if 70 people showed up. Let's see if he would complain if 70 people showed up. I think he would be thrilled to death. And not only that, Brother Eric will be preaching that Sunday morning. What, a, what an opportunity to invite a guest. Hey, it's Palm Sunday and we've got a, a guest with us. You really ought to come. 
I think you'd like him. Then we've got Easter the following week. Shame on us if we don't tell all of our friends to come to church with us. We've got family that don't go to church anywhere. Shame on us if we don't invite them. Serve Jesus by serving the church. Secondly, another action that we ought to take is to enjoy His presence. Where do we find Him? Well, we find Him in Scripture. We find Him in prayer. We find Him in gathering together as His people. The interesting thing about this this text is that they're gathering together in the context of a meal. And there's something special that happens when God's people gather together around a table to enjoy a meal together. But I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage myself, as we end out this Lenten season, to enjoy Jesus' presence, to slow down, to, to carefully walk with Him, to take note of what He's doing in our lives and through our lives. Slow down, enjoy His presence. And lastly, I want to encourage you and I want to encourage myself to anoint Him through costly worship. Worship is not just bound to Sunday mornings at 10.30. But worship does happen on Sunday mornings at 10.30. At least here. Other groups gather at different times. But Sunday is not a take it or leave it type scenario. Well, I, you know, I'll worship Jesus you know, in, in the other days of my life. But don't expect me on Sundays. But also as we leave this place as God's people... We find ourselves with opportunity after opportunity on Mondays and Tuesdays and all other days of the week to to live our lives as a gift of worship to Jesus if we will think of our lives in that way. The most menial of our labors can be done in such a way that we bring honor to Jesus and say thank you Lord you have been so good to me before we pray I want to do something that we normally don't do I actually have a bottle of spikenard and what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask David if he would come. I take this bottle of spikenard. I think you'll like it. I'm going to put a drop of it on my hand. Did you see how I've done that? Just a little drop. I'm going to pass it on to you. And I'm just going to wipe it on my hands. And take a moment to breathe it in. It's very fragrant. 
David, if you'll pass that around to everybody, I'd like everybody, if, if you're willing, to get just a drop of it, rub it in your hands, and take a moment. We're going to spend just a, a few minutes in quiet prayer before, before I close in prayer. And when you smell that fragrant smell, I want you to think of a few things. I want you to think about how beautiful it smells. And think about how your worship of Jesus can be a thing of beauty. I also want you to think about how costly that smell is. Now that that's the real deal spikenard right there, but spikenard's become a little bit more available. That's that's not, you know, that's not a $20,000 a pound bottle right there. If you had a pound of it, who knows how much it might be. But, um, but in the ancient world, that was one of the most costly of fragrances. One of the most costly of oils. And I want you to think about how you can worship Jesus in a way that really costs you. You might find it difficult to get up early on Sunday mornings and you might think, you know what? It would really cost me for these next few weeks to make sure that not only am I here on Sunday mornings, but I'm here early and trying to figure out how I can help. Thank you so much, David. As you breathe it in, I want you to close your eyes with me. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. Continue smelling your hands if, if, that, if that helps you. And I want you to think just for a moment about how beautiful your worship is to Jesus. And I want you to, to quietly pray with me. Lord, how can I worship you in a personal and a costly way? What can I do, Lord? Lord,